right now, so much of mental health is reactive, where it's like you have to reach this almost bottom, rock bottom before you even realize, oh, wait, I need to get help. And we want to, what we, and this is such a core part of real, is we want to completely change that towards this world where it's proactive. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Five Questions With, our series of quick interviews with industry leaders, change makers, and those who inspire our community. We're talking professional journeys and about investing in your education and career and self with those who have been in our shoes. I'm Janetta Hott, founder of MBA Chic, a platform and community for MBAs and professionals around the world. We help navigate business school, careers, and more with the goal of propelling more women into the C-suite. Speaking of C-suite, I'm here today with Dr. Nina Vassan, psychiatrist, entrepreneur, and chief medical officer of mental health startup Real. As CMO, Dr. Nina Vassan leads Real's team of expert therapists. Outside of her work at Real, she is a psychiatrist and professor at Stanford, where she is the founder and executive director of Brainstorm, the Stanford Lab for Mental Health Innovation. She has served as a healthcare advisor to the United Nations, the World Health Organization's Director General's Office, and the Obama and Biden presidential campaigns. Dr. Rasan earned an AB in government from Harvard College, graduating as one of Glamour Magazine's top, top 10 college women. She earned an MD from Harvard Medical School and completed psychiatry residency at Stanford School of Medicine, where she was chief resident. She received her MBA from Stanford grad, Stanford's Graduate School of Business. Thank you for being here, Nina. I wanted to make Thank sure I read you. through all of that. <laughs> Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Looking forward to this. All right. So let's dive right in. It's five questions with the first one. We're going to dive in to the MBA. So what drew you to the MBA? What did the MBA mean to you? This investment in yourself and career now that you're on the other side? Yeah, I love I love it. Let's di dive right in. The first thing is community. You know, um, community is something it's a core value to me and has been for such a long time. And I think that being able to be a part of the business community and really be able to immerse myself in this way um, is something that's been really important to me. So that was really the first thing. And I think the second thing then would be entrepreneurship. And that's why in particular, you know, having been at Stanford and being in the middle of Silicon Valley and seeing how innovation was being developed and launched, um, really wanting to be able to not only just educate myself in entrepreneurship, but really surround myself by, with entrepreneurs. And in this case, you know, this entrepreneurial community, um, it just seemed like being able to spend two years where I would not only, you know, be surrounded by these amazing people and think about ideas with um you know, with people who had already started companies who were ideating and thinking about what are the new ways of um, of creating companies and everything. Um, but then also thinking about, you know, the course of our lifetime. And I just remembered thinking about college and how so, so many of my friends now, even 20 years later, my closest friendships are the people who I went to school with, realizing, wait, I want that again, you know, and um, being able to then have such a unique opportunity and privilege, I think, to go back to school, um, in my case, which, which actually was a little bit of a later stage, I was in my early 30s. Um, I, I think that then being able to build those friendships where it was not only personal relationships, but also professional relationships, and know that these are people who are going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Um, that's just such a special opportunity. So the mix of community plus entrepreneurship plus like lifelong friendships. So true. Yes, it's a very intense two years, but you get you really do get all of that, right? Absolutely. 
and you were also coming through through uh, med school and residency and all that. So let's ask about that because mm-hmm. you started in medicine and you've already you, you were always very entrepreneurial. You're an author. You've pursued entrepreneurial projects as you drove further into healthcare, and now you're in the C-suite as CMO for real. You know, an organization focused on increasing access to high quality, high quality mental health care and looking to change the conversation around mental health. Did you always have this sort of path in mind for yourself? You know, from your MBA days, I guess, or med school days to today. What did this path to the sweet suite and your current work look like? Yeah. You know, I think that I have always had this sense of really wanting to combine business with medicine and in particular, um, you know, having been interested in healthcare really from my kind of from a young age when I started to be interested in healthcare was really always interested in this much bigger picture, this sense of how do we, when we think about healthcare, how do we solve healthcare problems for entire communities? And um, I think that when I was in college, I studied government and felt like policy is a really phenomenal way of solving those problems. And, and as I went on and, you know, entered medical school, when I was in medical school, that's really when the first wave of direct-to-consumer health tech companies came around. And I felt like, wow, this is such an incredible way to scale what we're doing. You know, if we think about the traditional patient doctor relationship and encounter of this, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minute um, appointment with your doctor, and then the opportunity to actually have, you know, like a mobile device in your hand, and that allows you to reach millions of patients, um, that whole change in mindset for healthcare was completely transformational. And and that's exactly what I was experiencing when I was in medical school. That's actually what made me uh, want to then move out to Stanford for residency and immerse myself in the Silicon Valley way of thinking, way of problem solving. And so from that time, I was really interested in, um, again, that, you know, what what then does the big picture look like? And um, just as policy is able to reach so many people, what is the role then of business? And what is the role of entrepreneurship in reaching reaching so many people. And for me, um, having had this interest in mental health, it really meant, okay, how do we take what is happening in the rest of healthcare and apply that to mental health, thinking about all these big questions like access, equality, equality, um, and really thinking about the social side of things where we know that there's so many um, social inequalities. How do we leverage things like technology um, and entrepreneurship to really solve so many of these important problems? Um, and really, at the end of the day, I think entrepreneurship and technology allow, uh, uniquely allow you to solve these problems. So, so I think that to answer your question, I think that um, it had always been something that um, had been a, a way of a way of problem solving that really fascinated me. Um, and uh, and I, I don't know that I don't know that I would have said that I saw myself. I actually I, I didn't even know what like a chief medical officer was probably in medical <laughs> school. So that part I think was definitely new. I think I thought I would um, be a part of a, 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 an a, a startup for sure. The entrepreneurial journey is something that had always appealed to me. And I think was just like a natural way of thinking about things, even from my early days, you know, in high school, really. But uh, to be, you know, to be a C-suite person, um, I think that's something I, I might not have necessarily thought of. And um, it's been such an incredible delight to be able to um, really make decisions on this level and, and, um, and see how, at, uh, you know, to, to be able to have that um, unique vantage point, I think, where uh, I'm able to draw upon my 
clinical expertise. And I do still treat patients, you know, and be able to see what's going on in my patients' lives and then applying that to what we're doing at real and thinking, okay, how do we then translate that to the experience of, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people across the country and what then do they need so that we can really best solve their individual problems, but do that at scale. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it makes perfect sense, right? It's business has a way to disrupt certain, like the intersection of tech and the mental health. Like it's true. We haven't seen transformation of a space like this for so long, like seeing a, you know, speaking to a counselor or someone on your cell phone or texting. Now we have with people it's, it is really cool to see how things have, you know, like you said, you're able to reach more people. You're able to increase access to the healthcare and, and scale, you you know, in a single practice, you can see how many patients in a day, but it's, you're, you're, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. If we look about, if we look at the history, of mental health, actually, like Prozac came around in the 1980s. And that was one of the biggest transformations historically in healthcare. And then if we look at therapy, therapy hasn't really changed in like a hundred years, like literally (laughs) the way that Freud was practicing therapy, you know, it's not that different really as of like five years ago compared to what it was like, like a hundred years ago. And so the fact that we have these technologies, um, to me, what's interesting, actually, there there are a few things that are really interesting. One is simply, you know, we all like literally live with our devices, right? I mean, like, (laughs) unfortunately, I I will admit, I even like have this like two feet away from me when I'm sleeping and I tell my patients not to do that, but I still do it. And I know I'm not supposed to be doing it, right? But like, truly, you know, we live with this device, right? And what's so powerful about it is that it does give us this opportunity to deliver care. Um, but I actually think one of the things even that, that like where the next phase actually of innovation is, is that it allows us to actually measure and track things about human behavior that yeah. we never have before. And that's like this amazing, unique insight into the human brain that we literally have never had. Um, and so the ability to then see what's going on with people is going to allow us to diagnose people early to see is someone's is someone struggling much much early like days weeks months even years earlier than we historically Mm -hmm. have been able to and then we can reach them earlier and allow them to then get treatment earlier and so really where right now so much of mental health is reactive where it's like you have to reach this almost bottom rock bottom before you even realize oh wait i need to get help and we want to what we and this is such a core part of real is we want to completely change that towards this world where it's proactive and and you're really thinking about how do we optimize health and how do we not only you know keep you well and healthy but make sure that you're um, getting that help in that earliest stage possible and not when you hit rock bottom. So really changing what that whole world and our entire kind of concept of mental health even looks like. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And it totally, you know, it absolutely speaks to this theme of innovation and change and disruption and community even that you were talking about earlier. Um, all right. So <laughs> moving on to number three, I want to say what really, you know, some of this, what drives you as a leader? It sounds like we're kind of getting into this. What's your leadership philosophy? What do you think has been key to your success? And if there have been any sort of mentors or sponsors along the way, um, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah. If I had to say one word, it would be impact. And one of my friends, um, one of my business school classmates actually has this saying that she always says, what are you solving for? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I'm always solving for impact. And I think that, you know, as I'm making decisions, that's really one of the first thing that's in my mind. And I I can even like, as I'm visualizing, okay, like what's the outcome here going to be? It's okay. What is the impact we're going to make? You know, who is that impact on? What's the scale of that impact? Um, And that's so much of how I think about 
the decisions that I'm making and what what choice I want to make. And and so I think that when thinking about what drives me, um, there's there's a, a mix there. One is being in a world like mental health, where it's such a phenomenally mission driven field. I think that, you know, for all of us at real, like we wait, it's like we, we live this, you know, it's not just that it's like, oh, here's the social cause we care about, which there is the social cause we care about, but it's so deep in terms of how we care about it, you know, because mm-hmm. most people it's that either like you have a loved one or you yourself have struggled with some element of mental health yourself. And it's such a deeply personal, emotional thing when one does struggle that that um, drive it really, really the, the the passion for that is ultimately, I think, what drives men, many of us. And I'll, I'll just speak for myself here to you know get out of the bed in the morning. And when it's like it, I I know even in uh, in healthcare, so I hear so many colleagues say like, what's wonderful when you have that passion and when you have that mission is that even on the worst days, because it's a job, we're all going to have bad days, right? Knowing that you've been able to make some impact because you have that purpose behind you. It's that sense of purpose um, that that's tremendously important. So the purpose behind you, plus then for me, um, looking to see what is the impact then that I'm going to make towards that purpose, that combination, I think, is really, um, really what keeps everything going. Um, and then your other question around who inspires you, who served as a mentor, um, you know, I, to me, what's actually been so uh, inspiring is really realizing that like, I feel like you can find inspiration and mentorship in everyone. And I think that traditionally that sense of mentorship is often someone who's older or, you know, some kind of senior person. I've actually found my peers to be among the people who inspire me the most. And and I actually say like some of my best mentors, even, even like at, at a young age, even in college, I found myself to be so inspired by by my peers. Mm. And, uh, and, and now, you know, when I look to see what my peers are doing, they're the ones who I actually end up going to first for, you know, for advice and look like, wow, that's amazing what you did. Like, how can we think about doing something together or tell me how you did this? And and now we even, especially in mental health, I'm finding myself phenomenally inspired by Gen Z. The way that Gen Z is like talking and thinking about mental health, they are advancing the field and like, especially some things like stigma, they Mm. are doing a far better job than any generation before that. I'm a millennial myself and I admire what they are doing so so much in so many ways. I think it's just really wonderful to be able to look to other, you know, other people. And in this case, like the younger generation to really set the tone for what we all need to be doing. Um, So I just love even being able to find inspiration and mentorship in everyone. That's fantastic. Oh, you're absolutely right. This, the whole conversation that Gen Z is leading really on mental health. I know when we connected, we'll drop the link in the show notes, but when we connected on our mental health in business school conversation, um, I, I think I recounted then as well, anytime we interact with, with someone who's part of Gen Z, who's maybe thinking about business school or just their career in general, mental health is one of the priorities. And I can't, I can't remember, you know, I can't count on one hand how many times that has come up as a millennial, again, in, in conversation with friends about careers that was maybe, you know, nine or 10 on a list. It really never came up, but to be leading it's, it definitely speaks to the health of, you know, just kind of how people are thinking about it. Yes. But like just the, 
the priority that they're placing on their health and the mental health. And, you know, I think seeing generations past is also helpful, but I, yeah. I really like that point. Yeah. Of- yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it. And you, you asked yeah. about the keys to success. And I think that there, I would say uh, really collaboration and actively mm-hmm. seeking collaboration and community. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, I'll go, again, I'll go to mental health. Mental health has been so siloed by itself. And so yeah. I think that being in a field like that, that's really been siloed, even from the rest of healthcare, mental health has been very siloed. Um, and then certainly from the rest of the world, um, I think I've had this extra push to try to create community. Mm-hmm. One almost like I, so many times I feel like to, I want to be this ambassador for mental health within not only the rest of healthcare, but really just like for the world, you know, to yeah. go out, to speak in public and being able to even do something like this, right? Like as a psychiatrist, people, there's such a kind of, there, there's this, a lot of people have this image of what a psychiatrist is. And I want to change that. I want to help people see that there are a lot of things of what a psychiatrist can be in and really like humanize what it is to be a psychiatrist and make people feel like, oh, this is someone I can talk to. This is someone who I want to be a part of my health and healthcare journey and everything. Um, And so in terms of being able to collaborate, I think that um, for me, what that's meant is, um, you know, not, uh, not looking at things in terms of competition, but Mm -hmm. rather turning some, turning something that could be competition into collaboration and, you know, being in, for me, I've been in the world of academia for, for most of my career. And now I'm in this kind of, I'm in the startup world. Um, and what with that, I'll say, you know, tech, uh, mental health, health, healthcare, all those sorts of communities, um, all those sorts of sectors, um, you know, and then business, of course, there's an inherent sense of competition, but mm. being able to really think about, and, and I think with mental health, um, why I don't view that as competition is one, when we think of just the the demand out there, you know, even if there are five or 10 or 50 companies that are all trying to solve problems in mental health, we can all solve these problems and all be successful as companies, you know, because the demand is so big. Um, it's such that when I see someone else who's doing something great in mental health, I don't think negatively towards them. I don't think, oh, that's the competition. I think I'm so glad of what they're doing. How can we work together? How can I support what they're doing? And let like, you know, let them carve out the niche of what they want to do because it's such a tre- hugely tremendous problem. We need multiple people, multiple forces, multiple companies, all, you know, figuring out their own unique solution to, to what's going on here. So competition yeah. over collaboration, bringing other people in, um, having that sense of we're all all kind of in this together mm-hmm. uh, and creating community. I think that's ultimately what's the most important thing for me. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. It, it's really like a team sport. Um, exactly. 100%. Yes, team I sport. like that approach. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love the team sport. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's everyone's, it's on everyone's plate. Um, okay. I want to keep this moving. Oh, what you kind of talked a little bit about this, right. But what are you most proud of during your career and what has, you know, maybe your subject matter or whatnot, what has been most challenging or most surprising um, and why? So I would say that the thing that I'm most proud of, um, when I was in medical school, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, de- depression as the, the colloquially. And I made a choice at that time to be very public and open about it. Mm. And over time, um, that be, being public about it has been only expanded such that now I talk very openly about it when I give talks, when I, when I'm on podcasts and and even now actually um, on my LinkedIn, it's actually the first thing that I talk about um, and, and talk about the the term we use in mental health. When you struggle with mental health yourself, we call it, the term is a lived experience that right, that one has the lived experience of having a, having a mental illness. Um, And I, I, so I really put it out there front and center 
And it's something that um, even in in our medical training as physicians, we are told and taught not to do this, that it's that basically, you know, you don't want to share anything about yourself. Um, but I've made a really active choice to do that. And it's something that certainly has been very hard. I, I'm sure that um, a lot of people might, um, you, you know, it's, it's it's it is very difficult. There is incredible an incredible amount of stigma, and and unfortunately, even within the medical field itself, there's pro- there's even more stigma that physicians have towards other physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this sense that like physician, one of this this phrases, physician heal thyself, which mm-hmm. is that as doctors, you know, we heal other people, but we can't ever be sick ourselves. Right. Um, and uh, and so you know, there is that sense that. Um, you know, I'm sure there is some judgment from, from other people, but for me, it's been the sense of, I, I feel like it's so important. I, my background has been in advocacy and activism and to be able to really show people, um, you know, one, I am someone who struggled myself. Um, I still struggle. I, and I, I, in, I say that very actively to people that both depression is something that I had had in the past and have overcome. Anxiety is something I still deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to show, um, you know, to, again, to humanize it um and for people to see you know you can be x y and z you can be you can be successful professionally and still have all these things right um and moreover i think that um when i see then the quality of discussions i'm able to have especially with the younger generation um i feel like it has really broken so many barriers and allowed us to just be real and that's why Mm -hmm. i love that the name of our company is real because ultimately um i think that is what needs to change we need to talk about this stuff in the way that 50% of Americans over the course of their lifetime will have a diagnosable mental health disorder. We need to talk about this stuff in a very real way that a lot of us have this. It's not something that other people deal with. It's something that I deal with. And um, so to be able to just change the conversation of what that looks like. So I'm really proud of, um, of being public and getting that out there, uh, even even if there are you know professional um, risks and things that it may have closed opportunities in some way, that um, it's something that I just deeply believe in. Oh, that's a, it's incredibly powerful, absolutely, and it's it's um it's like you said, it, it helps you reach so many more people, especially the younger generation. But it opens up so much. Oh, fantastic. Okay. We're at yeah, the last I think that, authentic, that authenticity. I think that I feel like one, you know, to be yeah. able to destigmatize what mental health is like, but then also just for yeah. me, I felt like I just want to be authentic. I want to be able to be who I am and yeah. not have to, um, you know, just, yeah, be, again, be, to be, to be real, be real. Yeah. I'm going to drop a, there's like a, a clip, like a, from a, an old West wing episode. And basically there's a, the chief of staff to the president has a friend who is his deputy, I think. And he deals with like a mental health struggle. Um, and there's a, there's a story that he shares about, well, about being in his shoes once before. And I, I have to share that with you, but we don't have time to play it here. Yeah, <laughs> I love, so so my ringtone, my ringtone to my phone is the West wing theme song. So the minute you, I'm like, Oh yes, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Huge West Wing fan. I love, I love the West Wing. In fact, when COVID started, the first oh thing God. I did was rewatch all of the right? West Wing. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. I love fan. it. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, we got to one of our rapid fires already. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. We did, yeah. So fabulous. Um, okay. So one of the last questions or the last question is what words of advice would you offer to those embarking on ambitious career paths and setting big goals in life? So for first, you know, b- build community and keep your community front and center. 
Uh, I think that to me has just been really that core thing that always I keep coming back to. And then secondly is connect to the why. When we think about the mission, why you're doing what you're doing, that that really is going to be the most important thing that keeps you going. So being able to keep that in the, you know, in your, in your heart and at your core. Yeah. It's yeah. Honestly, I think, like you said, your path, it's kind of your entrepreneurial, your idea, your passion for innovation has sort of led you, but yeah, maybe C-suite wasn't on your radar to, you know, to begin with, but I think your passion for innovation, but also just being authentic has kind of opened things up and, you know, mental health is something that touches everyone and there are plenty of people working on it. And I think the spin you're putting on it allows you to be real, but also just to, just to reach more people, especially the younger generation coming up, who's got just like so much thrown onto them. Um, and just, I think even more pressure to perform at a younger age than any of us dealt with. So absolutely. It's really powerful. All right. I mean, this is great. Thank you. Um, we will flip into, to close this out, we'll flip into some rapid fire questions. Um, we got into a bit of the West Wing fandom. So I'm going to go into the next one. (laughs) What was your first job? So when I was in high school, I worked at my, the Wood County Public Library, my local library. And what I did was I would put magnetic strips on the binding between the, uh, the the spine of the book. Basically, you put these magnetic strips there and that's what prevents people uh, when you like, you know, you check out the books and then you walk through the like little, the, the, the detectors. That's what they use to make sure that no one's like stealing books or that you've checked out your books oh properly. Gosh. And so, well, basically what was awesome is that um, when all the new books would come in, I would be there in the basement, like putting this little sticker on. So I got like the first peek at the new books and it felt like really, it basically like, felt like very powerful of like, oh, I get the first sneak peek. And and like every, every now and then I would like take one of the books and put them to the side and be like, oh, I want to be the first one to read this new book coming out. And so that was the big perk. The big perk of the job was like getting oh to kind of like put a book aside every now and then. Oh, I love it. Yes. The first scoop. Oh, I love it was that. very, very nerdy. It was very, nerdy. <laughs> I love it. It's your risk management. You're kind of running it. That's so good. Um, what was the, uh, let me slip, skip around a little bit. Okay. What is your go-to power breakfast? So usually I love eggs. I, I love like scrambled eggs in the morning and just something, you know, like warm and hot. And it's like the simplest thing. I feel like you can never really mess up scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I think that just like, and no matter what you, and like, like no matter what you put in, it's going to work. And I feel like yeah. all, all like cultures have some version of eggs that are great. So scrambled right. eggs, yeah. I'll always love it. Solid standby. Perfect. Um, do you have a secret talent or hobby that people might be surprised to hear about? <laughs> I do. So I am amazing at whistling. And I should also preface this by saying that I cannot sing or dance or act or draw, like basically all the like performable artistic talents. I have zero, but I'm a very good whistler. Oh my gosh. Doesn't like, really help me much, but, like, but yeah. I know it. I know it. Like hail a cab <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like we're gonna blow people's ears out if we go for that's it. Right, but... that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. It, go attend a real talk that she um, that yeah. she we'll uh, hosts tune. or I'll does. Do a little, I'll do like a little a little tune on on, the, on one of the next real talks. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Um, okay, uh, what was the best book or podcast you best book you read or podcast you heard in the last twelve months? Yes, there is a book called Eat It, 
And um, so it's uh, basically, so, you know, uh, if we think about like the wellness industry, uh, diet, uh, all of that. Um, so I myself have struggled with, um, with diet exercise, you know, all like eat, like kind of body image issues, probably yeah. since I was a teenager and that whole industry, it's this like billion dollar industry. People are always putting different books out, different diets, do this, do that. Um, and there's this book called Eat It. It is the single best book I have ever read in this entire space. And the reason why I loved it, in fact, when I, after I read it, I texted like dozens of people saying like, please read this because yeah. it's so healthy and normalizing around like what you eat, how you exercise, how you approach nutrition. It really almost, it, it's like marketed as this like health, you know, health well-being book. But it really actually almost felt like a mental health guide where um, recognizing that for so many people like myself, where, you know, when we are struggling with things like like food and exercise, that it's not about the food and exercise. So much of it is these like um, incorrect thoughts and things like that. These, um, you know, social pressures and stuff that we've had after many, many years and things like that. And it really corrects so many of those. And I've never seen a book in this space, talk about that sort of stuff, talk about the mental health, talk about the the cultural issues and stuff like that. And just be like, hey, you're okay. And here's mm -hmm. why you're okay. And here's how to deal with the very normal things around mental health and bring those two together. So I thought it just did a phenomenal job of bringing those two together. And um, just truly, I, it felt like it, it, I felt like it undid truly decades of, um, of like incorrect thinking about uh, so much of this stuff around body image and, and, and health and lifestyle. Oh my gosh. Yes. And like the early two thousands, I feel like again, Gen Z is pioneering this, but they're, yeah. I think millennials are kind of sharing it. And then Gen Z is like, absolutely not. So they're talking yeah. about like the early two thousands, like that diet culture and celebrity yeah. culture. This is not really a rapid fire now, but <laughs> sort of like <laughs> celebrities and, and the, the, really like the pressure to be real thin and sort of the mental health, like how that the toll it took on their mental health, but also on the mental health of, of girls following and women following, um, like all the celebrity movies and, and all the magazines. So really interesting. I'll definitely, we'll definitely yeah. link that book and yes. share it. Um, yeah. and I'm excited to read that. Absolutely. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me just thinking about how many, how pervasive it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I like, like how, and the, and but what, what is great and what I love about the book is it just like, it can be changed. It can be corrected and yeah. um, just really, really felt like it was really important. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, that's great. We'll end it on there. Um, that's so good. Thanks for playing. Rapid fire is like always a good way Fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to share more. Um, so thank you, Nina, for being here, for sharing your insights with us. It was great to hear from you and get your advice for those falling in your shoes. And we really thank you for making the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. And you can find Dr. Nina Vassan on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. She's at Nina Vassan. We'll share everything. We'll share the clips. We'll share her full bio on our website. So head to mbhsheep.com after this. All right. Well, take care. Thank you, Nina. Have a great day. Bye.